This morning we are going to begin our new series, talking about Kingdom Foundations, as we think through the details presented to us in First and Second Samuel. Through this historical yet prophetic text, we learn about the establishment of the veiled Kingdom of God, as expressed through Old Covenant Israel, through the lives of three specific men, Samuel, Saul, and David. Samuel is the last judge to rule Israel, or rule over Israel, in that period of history, about 200 years since Israel had entered the land in the days of Joshua. Saul will become Israel's first and failed king, and David will exemplify what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Prayerfully, each of you remember the historical setting during the time of Judges. There is a continued leadership crisis happening within Israel. Idolatry and devastation plague Israel. And yet God continually raises up judges to bring peace, justice, and joy to his people. What I had been referring to as justice stories in our last series. As part of our thinking through the scriptures, narratively going through the Bible, we have been understanding the historical context of the biblical narrative all the while gleaning contemporary application. Surely speaking about rampant idolatry and devastation and national leadership issues make it easy for us to seek modern relevance, since here in the 21st century America, that is our reality. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Something interesting about the historicity of the writings of First and Second Samuel is how it parallels to other ancient writings. For example, there is historical documentation that dates back to the 13th century BC called the Apology of Hatticillus, in which we find a detailed description of the qualification of the previous ruler, emphasis on events leading up to the new king taking the throne, an affirmation of the new ruler's piety, and a summary of details demonstrating the new king and his intention to rule ultimately shown by God blessing the nation. Therefore, reading First and Second Samuel as a defense of the right person being called to the throne is a historically correct and audience-relevant way of reading the text and is the way we should be doing so. While leading up to this place in Israel's history, has, there has not been a king in Israel, kingship was certainly well known by Israel's neighbors. Israel had previously flirted with the idea of a king. To quote Dr. John Walton, in the days of Abimelech in Judges chapter 9. Also, we find early mentions regarding Israel having a king in the law of Moses, established hundreds of years prior to this contemporary moment that we're reading about in First and Second Samuel. God intended for Israel to one day have a king. Go ahead and read texts such as Genesis chapter 17 verse 6, Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, Numbers chapters, uh, chapter 24 verses 7, 17, and 19, as well as Deuteronomy chapters 17 and 28. Today we are going to lean in on Hannah's prayer, her faith in God's sovereignty, her pouring out her heart 
to God and the fulfillment of her vow. This is the beginning of how God will begin his veiled expression for the kingdom through Israel. This is God setting up his foundation for that kingdom. Godly things, dare I say, dare I yet remind us of the plea for peace, justice, and joy that should saturate our lives, find their beginning in kingdom foundations, today most specifically noting the foundation of prayer. Let's go ahead and do some reading. If you'd like to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read through some verses and make some points as we read through the text. Starting at verse 1. Now there was a certain man from Ramath Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. He had. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Going to stop there for a moment. What we see here is what what we also want to remember is that Hannah's living in a time of idolatry and devastation. And unfortunately, her individual situation is highlighting that every individual is affected by the corporate reality. If the society is stuck in idolatry and devastation, the citizens of that society will suffer. We see that barrenness is a, is a uh, curse that was understood by the uh, ancients as a part of worshiping the wrong god or for the gods being angry at you. So here we see that Hannah is affected. The Lord had closed her womb. And we know that in the ancient times, this was seen as a, uh, as a sort of curse. However, it's also important to know that this was understood that the God was sovereign over the womb. We see this in places such as Genesis chapter 30, verse 2, uh, as well as verse 22, Genesis 33, verse 5, and Psalm 127, verse 3. This dismal situation did not happen by accident. There in this situation, Hannah finds herself in this situation for a reason. God is very present. It doesn't say that her womb was closed. It says that the Lord closed her womb. That's important to take in as we begin looking at this, you know, this book for that matter, the book of 1 Samuel, is we're definitely going to see the sovereignty and the providence of God being exemplified and being understood as we make our way in establishing kingdom foundations. So let's go ahead and read a little bit further, picking up at verse 7. Actually, we'll pick up at verse 6. Hannah's rival, Peninnah, 
would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and she would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting in the seat at the doorpost of the temple by the Lord, of the Lord. Hannah wept greatly. She was greatly distressed and prayed to the Lord. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my lord, I am, not, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. For I have spoken until now of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said to her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you may have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So a couple interesting things stand out here. The first thing is what we see is Hannah makes a vow regarding Samuel. This is the Nazarite vow that we had read about in Numbers chapter 6. She prepares herself for the blessing. I had read a quote that in a commentary about this chapter that said, Before we are ready to receive many of God's blessings, we must commit them to him. Surrender purifies and prepares so that we are not harmed by God's, goods, goods, God's good gifts. Now, What's important to talk about here first is that, yes, she pours out her heart to God. She makes this vow to God. She prepares herself for the blessing. God, when you bless me, I'm going to be ready and offer that child back up to you. Because again, remember the time that she's living in. This is very important. She's living in a time of devastation and idolatry. She's living in a time where people were doing according to what they desired. We're going to learn next week even a little bit more about these two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. And we're going to see, we're going to see how devastating this situation truly is. So in the midst of this devastating situation, she, she sees herself there. It's understood that God has placed her there in this situation, that God has placed these people in this situation. And now she makes a vow to God. She prepares herself for the blessing. I began to think about that a little bit. Let's look at some contemporary application of this point. What are some blessings that we need to prepare ourselves for? We need to understand that God has put us in that situation so that maybe we would surrender and understand how the blessing might lead us astray. And I began to think about this in a more of an applicational way. And I guess uh, one way that came to mind would be money, right? In our current society, um, many people want more money. 
However, they don't realize that they don't surrender themselves prior to receiving that money because that money can lead them into a place of idolatry. That money can lead them into a place of, of, of uh, you know, where the blessing becomes a burden. So God wants us to prepare ourselves for the blessing. Like Hannah, she prepares herself. She makes this vow to God. God, when I receive this blessing, I am going to walk worthy. And uh, that's, a, that's a very much importance. You know, for me, I guess in my personal life, an area where I've seen this was with freedom. Many of you know that I became a Christian while in prison. And I know uh, one of the things for me was I wanted to be free. I, I prayed that God would just take down the prison walls, so to speak, so I could just go home. I'm a changed man. I want to live my freedom and I want to live the, you know, the blessing, all the while understanding that you know, th the point of justice is that you have to serve the prison term. Anyway, um, you know, I had this desire. And what I've come to realize in a more applicational way out of that time was that God was preparing me for the freedom I was about to receive. That, you know, I do think back and I wonder, wow, if I would have been released from prison maybe five months earlier, I would not have certain lessons or, um, you know, uh, certain experiences that I needed to build me up, certain foundations, dare I say. As I mentioned in verse 15, she pours out her soul to God. I thought of Psalm 42 and, of course, our opening song in worship, Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know, when we... How, when we make these vows, it's important that we pour out our souls to God, but then these vows must be very serious. Willingness to surrender surely brings blessing, but we must prepare ourselves for the blessing. I ask you, how are you pouring out your soul to God? What are you praying for? How are you doing this? Is this something that's in effect in your life? Are you expecting the blessing and preparing yourself for it? I think of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, give us more of your righteousness. Allow us to display more of your righteousness. For they shall be filled. May we be a people that thirst for righteousness, that hunger for righteousness and the blessings that come from it. May we receive our fill. May we prepare beforehand. Amen. Let's go ahead and continue in our text. Picking up at verse 19. Then they arose early in the morning. Now remember, she's poured out her heart to God. She's trusting in the blessing of God at this point. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Notice that she's still, she's smiling. She's getting ready for the blessing. She's worshipping God before the blessing. And they returned to their home in Ramah. And Elkanah and had relations with his wife. And the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son and named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all of his household to offer the vow to the Lord, the yearly sacrifice. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to the husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah said. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. 
Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. She said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I answered of him. Praise God. So I dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Praise God. Always a privilege, of course, to see the story of answered prayer. Amen. The Lord remembered her. She poured out her heart to God. She made a vow. She prepared herself for the blessing. And the Lord remembered her. She remembered him as well. Amen. She remembered that her prayer has been answered. And she fulfilled her vow. I ask you, have you ever done this? Have you praised God for answered prayer? Have you recognized the privilege of answered prayer? And then, of course, turned back, praised him, and fulfilled the vow that you said, and you know, I, I praise God because I've had this opportunity in my life. I remember one of my initial uh, aspects of my testimony is that I used to pray to God and I would make these vows. I would pray in prison. I would pray in moments of calamity and moments of stress and moments of fear. And I would say, God, if you could only get, only get me out of this situation. And now granted, a lot of times the situation didn't work out the way that I had wanted or the way that maybe I would have planned it out. But he did, he did bring me through it. And unfortunately, in my arrogant, stubborn ways, I would return back to my own way of thinking, go back to exactly what our text is highlighting, a society that does what is right in their own eyes. I would go back to my way of living and then find myself there again, making the same vow and yet never following through. But then I remember, I remember one night just pleading with God and praying and saying, God, you know, I'm so done making vows that are not fruitful, Lord, vows that are not true. I will follow through on my vow. And, and to be honest with you, my life to this very day is a follow-up on that vow. Praise God. Praising God for the answered prayer. Amen. What a beautiful thing. So now let's go ahead and move into chapter two here and let's see what Hannah prays because there's some important things that we want to mark out in regards to Hannah's prayer. Let's just read through her prayer, which is 1 Samuel chapter two, verses one through 11. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is only one holy Lord like you. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more ever so proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes the poor rich and makes the poor and the rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He sets the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. 
Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and will exhort the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went to his home in Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord there. Some interesting things to mark out at this point is principles that underlie Old Testament prayer. I encourage you to challenge yourself. Do these principles, are these principles found in your prayer life? According to the Bible Reader Companion, I'll read this quote, which pretty much acknowledges it. God is acknowledged as the creator, redeemer, and covenant giver in Old Covenant prayer. Free and spontaneous. Emotions are expressed without hesitation, and requests are made with abandon, with the abandon of a child who realizes he or she is completely dependent on another, and that this other, God himself, truly cares. Speaking about making and having such childlike requests in our prayer lives with God, as I read through the story of Hannah and her prayer, I thought of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, wherein he said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, God tells us to become as little children to inherit the kingdom of God. This, of course, is to build up a trust in us. Hannah has a trust for God in God the way a child would have in their father. A father that so, so cares about every need that that child has. Delights in hearing the words of that child's prayer and, and even the, the, uh, the things that we might not deem as important. The father loves to hear those things from the child. Max Lucado, in his devotional, shares these thoughts in regards to prayer. Jesus invites us to approach God the way a child approaches his or her daddy. He goes on to tell of a time when he visited a playground to, visit here to see his children and heard how other children approached their fathers. He goes on to say, I heard requests like, Daddy, can Tommy come home with Drive thy car to my place of education and to provide me with domestic transportation. He did not hear formality or impressive vocabulary. He heard kids who were happy to see their dads and were eager to speak. God invites us to approach him in a similar manner. Carefree, joy-filled, playful, trusting, curious, excited. I ask you, church, what does your prayer life look like? What is your foundation in the principles of prayer? I've lifted up many teachings in regards to prayer. I do encourage you to go ahead and search them out because we can be blessed by them. We have sermon series where we've went through the power and the privilege of prayer, the expressions of prayer through church history. Hannah's prayer highlights and celebrates God's sovereignty. 
It demonstrates her personal joy in testimony and is faith-affirming. Amen. How is your prayer life? Again, I ask. Prayer is a necessary foundation we must have in place in order to see God's blessings. I hope this morning I have stirred up the prayer warrior in each of us, calling each of us to bless the Lord with our entire being and that we will be afforded the privilege to continue to see the reality, the testimony of answered prayer. As Eli said to Hannah, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant to you whatever you ask of him. In Jesus' name, amen.